Hey guys, I'm Abigail Meller, and welcome back to Generation Invincible, a podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by a millennial for millennials, and anyone else that cares about the health problems facing our nation. Did everyone miss me during our little hiatus? Did you take my advice and practice some self-care? If you did, email me and let me know. I'd love to hear how you guys are taking care of yourselves, and I'll even share a few examples in my next episode. Today, I want to talk about the B word. No, I don't mean a female dog. I mean bigotry. We've been throwing this word around a lot in politics at all sorts of people. If you don't know, it means intolerance towards those who hold different opinions from oneself. So when you break it down to its essential meaning, it kind of applies to a lot of people you know, don't you think? This past Wednesday, U.S. Representative Zoe Lofgren and Professor Gail Harriet from the University of California, San Diego, went head-to-head in a congressional hearing. Ms. Harriet spoke against the recent guidelines from the Departments of Justice and Education regarding transgender students' rights. Reacting to a statement by Harriet that transgender individuals are simply acting out a fantasy, Representative Zoe Lofgren called her out as a bigot. What could possibly elicit such a strong response? Why don't you hear it for yourselves, as Lofgren reads out Harriet's statement in order to protest against such derogatory language that was simply wrong and explains to an extent why this interpretation of Title IX is so important. I'll just say this. You know, I don't usually call out witnesses, but here's what the written testimony says. And this is Mrs. Harriet. We are teaching young people a terrible lesson. I believe that I am a Russian princess. That doesn't make me a Russian princess, even if my friends and acquaintances are willing to indulge my fantasy. Nor am I a great horned owl, just because, as I have been told, I happen to share some personality traits with those feathered creatures. I've got to say, I found this rather offensive. And it it says to me, that the witness really doesn't know anything and probably has never met a transgender child who is going through, in almost every case, a very difficult experience uh, finding themselves. And I believe that the department's guidance will help uh, schools all over the United States in preventing the kind of violence and harassment that these transgender uh, kids Uh, find uh, too often. So that's all I'm going to say on that. You know, I I think it's very regrettable that that comment was put into the record, and I think it's uh, highly offensive. Now, I'd like to ask you a question, Mr. Nard. Well, could I comment on that, please? No, it's just my opinion. I think you'll find that many people find it very offensive that the Department of of Education I think you're a bigot lady. I think you're um, ignorant all across the country. I think you are an ignorant bigot and, and anti Gentlelady from California will suspend. You're out of order. You go, girl. I think that this is a very telling example of how we use the phrase bigotry today. Because the word isn't simply about intolerance of another's differing opinions. It's about someone's inability to understand another's perspective because they are so close-minded. Their disdain for the other's opinions, not just disagreement. I can't express to you guys how important today's episode is, not just to me and you, but to literally everyone you know. So listen to this episode, share it on Facebook, email it to your mom, slash dad, slash siblings, slash old college roommate, slash random cousin, because this ish is important. I'm going to talk more about bigotry, Obama's transgender guidelines for schools, 
LGBTQ non-discrimination laws, the arguments against them, and what all this means for social equality and progress. During my time in undergrad, like many students, I dabbled with quite a few majors. One of them was business. I had hoped that after taking a few classes, I would magically discover that I was business-minded and go into hospital administration or something. LOL. So the first class I took was a prereq business course. Boring sounding enough with one catch. Everyone was talking about the he-she teacher that taught the course for half of the semester. According to what I've read online, the professor actually had the worst reactions from students, not faculty or staff of the university. And looking back on it, I should have stopped my peers right then and there from using that kind of language for a transgender professor or any transgender person in general. I should have called them out on how disgusting it was to look down on someone or make fun of them because their lifestyle didn't match society's expectations of how one should live their life. But I didn't. And you know what? She was a great teacher who was extremely passionate about the things she taught. She made things interesting, which I can't say for many of my college professors, particularly those I had in the courses of all the various majors I tested out before deciding on health promotion. I'm embarrassed that I didn't stop people from making fun of her or using derogatory language, especially now that I've learned since then the difficulties that all LGBTQ individuals go through. I don't think I'll ever fully understand the difficulties that LGBTQ youth, students, and adults go through on a daily basis, no matter how hard I try. But that's an important thing to accept. You will never understand someone else's life until you walk a mile in their shoes. So let's take a little walk and talk about the Human Rights Campaign survey about growing up LGBT in America. Four in 10 LGBT youth say the community in which they live is not accepting of LGBT people. LGBT youth are twice as likely as their peers to say they have been physically assaulted, kicked, or shoved at school. And 92% of LGBT youth say they hear negative messages about being LGBT, the primary sources being school, the internet, and their peers. Let's stop there for a second. If the community doesn't accept them, they hear bad things about who they are in the place that they should feel most safe, aka school, and they more often get physically bullied at school, Why is it that anyone can argue they don't need protection? Title IX states that no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Let's talk about sex, and not the bow-chicka-wow-wow kind. In this instance, sex is the term that refers to the binary idea of gender also known as male or female. If you can't tell where I'm going, I'll clue you in. Title IX needs to change. Why? Because people like Gail Harriet, that lovely lady from the University of San Diego, are saying that the interpretation of Title IX, where the Office of Civil Rights takes the word sex to really mean gender, is going too far. Would it be more controversial and difficult to just make an amendment changing the wording in Title IX from sex to gender? Yes. But would it shut the people up who say that identifying as transgender is synonymous to playing out a fantasy of being a Russian princess? Hell yes. And yet, 
the Office of Civil Rights is forced to take previous rulings and interpret them in order to make the new transgender guidance work. The idea that we've progressed far enough where laws that say sex should really say gender, or at the very least be understood to imply as such, is not really that far-fetched, as Miss Harriet implies in her written testimony. However, it is legal procedure to make these changes and recommendations based on legal precedent, which is why the justification for the recommendations is based on legal precedent of two court cases, rather than the government just saying, of course the law should say gender where it says sex, of course we should be able to accept that in society. But there are those that stand in the way of that seemingly obvious argument, plain and simple. Story comes as a result of the Obama administration officially backing the new transgender guidelines announced May 13th from the Departments of Education and Justice. These say, in short, that a school must not treat a transgender student any differently than the way it treats other students with the same gender identity. There's another term that's important to understand, gender identity. Gender identity is the personal conception of oneself as male, female, both, or neither. But back to the guidelines from the Departments of Justice and Education. This is a declaration signed by both departments and was sent out to schools across the country. It does not carry the weight of law, but does signal to schools that if they don't follow these recommendations, they may lose federal funding. The point is, and I'll quote John B. King Jr., the secretary of the Department of Education on this one, that, quote, we must ensure that our young people know that whoever they are or wherever they come from, they have the opportunity to get a great education and an environment free from discrimination, harassment, and violence. Aw, now you guys didn't think that this directive was going to go out without a fight, did you? Following the Obama administration's guidance, as of now, 12 states are suing, saying that the Obama administration had, quote, conspired to turn workplaces and educational settings across the country into laboratories for a massive social experiment, flouting the democratic process and running roughshod over common sense policies protecting children and basic privacy rights. These states include Alabama, my lovely and welcoming home state of Georgia, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, and Wisconsin, as well as the governor of Maine, the Arizona Department of Education, and school districts in Arizona and Texas. This lawsuit is asking the court to block the federal government from doing anything to apply or enforce the directive. What are the arguments they are using, do you ask? The main argument that you're going to hear through this whole ordeal is that the people opposed to the directive feel that it jeopardizes the safety and privacy of women and children. This idea is under the premise that they think that men are going to exploit the law and pose as transgender women in order to harass or sexually assault women and children in a bathroom. Critics of this concept refer to this reasoning as the bathroom predator myth. And rightfully so, this idea is a myth because it's basically based on a non-reality. Now it's time to refute the claims that male sexual predators will be allowed into women's bathrooms because of non-discrimination laws that protect gender identity in public accommodations. There are more than a dozen states, including California, Maine, New York, and New Mexico, and several cities, that have laws that allow transgender people to use whatever bathrooms they want in public. These types of laws were actually the catalyst that started the controversy in North Carolina, which I'm sure you've all heard about in some way or another. 
Charlotte passed such protections for transgender individuals earlier this year, which led state lawmakers to say there would be terrible effects and passed a countermeasure, HB2, that eliminated Charlotte's protections and banned other cities from passing anything similar. Statistically speaking, there's no record of men posing as transgender individuals in order to gain entry into women's spaces increasing when there's an LGBTQ non-discrimination law on the books. Not that this has never happened, but it is not associated with the presence of LGBTQ non-discrimination laws. And police and school officials agree. State leaders, law enforcement, and school officials in places with non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ individuals have said that they have seen no increase in sexual assault or rape after passing these laws. Furthermore, leading organizations in the fight against violence towards women signed a letter denouncing the idea that sexual assault increases with transgender protections. Obviously, these organizations, like the National Center on Domestic and Sexual Violence, would be the first ones to oppose these laws if there was any evidence linking them to an increase in violence against women. But there isn't. In the past, similar arguments about protecting women and children and bathrooms were used to justify segregation. During the World War II era, conservatives began employing the idea that social equality for African Americans would lead to sexual danger for white women in bathrooms. And white women were also quoted on numerous occasions during integration, for example, during the 1954 conflict over integrating Central High in Little Rock, Arkansas, when white women were quoted as saying that they wouldn't use the bathrooms because they believed that the black women would give them venereal diseases. That's basically another word for STDs. To me, this sounds ridiculous, but at the time, I'm sure that people were so rooted in the belief that African Americans were dirty or somehow below whites that the concept of equality and integration were beyond belief. We are going through the same thing right now. Honestly, it's almost like repeating history. People believe that transgender individuals are somehow below them, in this case referring to them all as sexual predators, so therefore they do not deserve equal rights. This is not just about the law. This is about changing people's fundamental belief systems. And I know that that doesn't happen overnight. But it used to be that people thought it was an abomination for blacks and whites to get married and procreate, and so it was illegal. People thought that women were too stupid to vote or own property. I'll say it again. This is not just about the law. This is about a major cultural shift in many places with traditional belief systems, where we have to recognize the historical precedents for changes towards full equality for everyone. And she says, I wish that I could be like the cool kids, cause all the cool kids, they seem to fit in. I wish that I could be like the cool kids, like the cool kids. Let's say you woke up one day, walked to the mirror, and noticed that your eyes were purple. You notice that that's weird, that nobody else you know has purple eyes, so you start to feel like it might not be normal or okay to have purple eyes. You actually like having purple eyes. It's a change that you welcome, and you like it way better than the brown eyes you had before, even though obviously the purple eyes makes you feel different from all your friends and family with brown eyes. You're getting used to the change, but then you go outside of your home and everyone is staring at you for having purple eyes like you're an alien. You wish that people could like your purple eyes like you do. But then when you get to school, your peers start taunting you, pushing you, and then you are physically assaulted, all the while everyone saying it is because of your purple eyes. Some of the stuff you read online says that having purple eyes is okay, and that you should be proud of it. But then even more stuff you read online says that you are a freak of nature, even saying that this is a disease and that you should not be alive. 
Eventually, you find other people with purple eyes that feel exactly how you feel and have gone through what you're going through. But ultimately, if your country, the school that you go to, and the community where you live do not accept you and think that you deserve the same rights and privacies as everyone else, then how are you supposed to feel like you belong anywhere? Obviously, purple eyes is a metaphor, not only for being transgender, but for all of the spectrum of LGBTQ identities. The point being that, again, while those of us who do not identify as LGBTQ are probably incapable of knowing exactly how LGBTQ individuals feel on a daily basis, we need to show that we care. Be empathetic. Be kind. Be open-minded. And as you watch the news coverage of the battle between social equality and backwards traditionalist ideals, talk about it. Be informed and spread the word so that you can make a difference and help others feel safe and accepted in their homes and communities. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. Until next time, in the words of Laverne Cox, also known as the super awesome transgender actress from Orange is the New Black, Quote, each and every one of us has the capacity to be an oppressor. I want to encourage each and every one of us to interrogate how we might be an oppressor and how we might be able to become liberators for ourselves and each other.